Welcome to our Fabric Podcast. This Sunday, October 1st, is the Twin Cities Marathon. Now, it may not seem to be a real good reason to not gather like we normally do on Sunday morning. Well, we've been doing it for years. It's what the Twin Cities are doing, and so many of our people are either running or cheering on friends and relatives. We're lining those courses, encouraging people on a long-haul pursuit of 26.2 miles, and it's a great way to be fabric. On top of that, the marathon course wraps around our normal Sunday gathering location, so it's hard to get there in the first place. It's typically one of the lowest attended weeks of our year. So. We're gonna be fabric a different way tomorrow. I went back to the archives, back five years to 2018 when we were doing a series called Long Haul. Life isn't about the short term, it's about the long haul. So I hope you enjoy this podcast and get something worthwhile out of it. Feel free to learn more about fabric by going to Facebook and finding Fabric Minneapolis or going to the web and searching fabricmpls.com. Thanks for listening. Hey, good morning, Fabric. Good to see you all here today. Part of being Fabric is that we are woven with the stuff that, uh, you know, that the world is really made out of. We're woven with the world, we're woven into life, we're woven into existence in a way that makes us stronger, makes us more resilient. And another side of that is, is the fact that when we're woven that way into those things, when we're experienced being part of that Fabric, we are woven into stuff that really matters and hopefully not woven into the stuff that doesn't really matter. I mean, there are many ways to weave your life, many things to weave your life into, right? Make no mistake, all of us weave our lives. We make commitments. We get entangled in the stuff around us. And not all things are part of what really matters, okay? And that's really what we want to be talking about these next couple of weeks, these the rest of these weeks in September. We're calling it the long haul. And uh, the long haul is a different perspective on life. It's, it's countercultural. The cultural norm, right, and, and it's not just our culture, but I think this is just a human thing. The cultural norm is that, you know, what life is really all about is this right now world. It responds to how I'm feeling and what I want right now. Now, opposite of that is the long haul. And the long haul way of approaching life has something, something deeply spiritual about it. It ties into these ways of, uh, being, of understanding who you are and what your life is all about that isn't so apparent on the surface level. On, on the surface, like I said, life is all about success and popularity and, and avoiding all the problems that you possibly can. The right now world isn't asking you to figure out how you're going to find joy, how you're going to find fulfillment, how you're going to find uh, your way through life in a way that's going to last the whole time. No, it's just asking you to find ways to be happy right now. Or at least, maybe it's more like just like, how can I hold it together right now? And, and that's just not terribly spiritual. I mean, that's pretty superficial and pretty short-term thinking. Uh, and we all know that that's not life we want. We know that isn't very spiritual. We know that's not very deep. We know that's really not going to last. But the funny thing is, and I really do find this funny, that even though we all know that, I mean, you know that already. I know that already. But nonetheless, most of us base most of our decisions, or I would say even our lack of ever making decisions, on that superficial short-term understanding of life, that right now version of the world and what's going on around us. So 
the Bible, the Bible which is typically dismissed as, well, it's got a bunch of rules and stuff we're supposed to do and a bunch of things that just don't make sense to anybody in this day and age. Actually, it's like spot on, but come from a different place that sometimes helps us see ourselves even better yet. You know, and rather than just having a lot of recommendations and a lot of advice, what the Bible does is try to pull us into its narratives and help us see some of these most important things of life and to, and to draw us into them. The base story of the Bible, the Old Testament of the Bible, is around one narrative, this, this narrative of the Exodus. Right? We spent uh, about two years ago, we spent a whole uh, long time um, um, dealing with that story. But, but as a space story of, of the people of Israel realizing that they were caught between these two worlds, the, the world of the long haul, the world of, of, of right now. They had been slaves in Egypt, and then they were freed, and they got sent out into the wilderness in order to figure out who are the people that they're supposed to be. And it didn't go as nicely and quickly and neatly as they wanted it to. So it was kind of a hard path for them. And uh, so we find very early on in this story, which is just kind of like a story written like any other story, just a narrative, all sitting right in the middle of it, well, not in the middle, right up towards the front, we find this one little poetic couplet, which, you know, which just sort of stands out. Hold it, there's this whole story, and all of a sudden like, there's two lines of poetry. Why? Except that we're supposed to notice them, right? And, and those two lines, which we read over so easily, say everything for us. Here are the lines. The Israelites ate manna 40 years until they came to a habitable land. They ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. It's a little poetic um, couplet there. Now, you say, well, okay, <laughs> that was interesting, Greg. What about, L let me just focus on the first six words. The first six words. The Israelites ate manna 40 years. First of all, they got named. It just wasn't some people, it was the Israelites, their name is used. Israel, who remembers what it means? One who wrestles with God, all right? So the Israelites, people who choose to take on God, all right? People who are in it for the long haul. People who are going to bother not to just live life according to right now, but they're going to weave those three strands together and figure out where it takes them. Those people that wrestle with God, they ate manna. Well, so manna had just been introduced in the story. They got, out of, they got out of Egypt. They're in the wilderness. They're starving. They have nothing to eat. And so all suddenly, um, this stuff appears on the, on the ground in the morning in the desert. And if they gather it up, they can eat it. it. Like, it's not much. It's not interesting really at all. They have no idea what it is. But at least they're not starving to, get to death. So for the first day, that was fantastic. For the first week, it was okay. And then it started getting kind of old, you know? The word manna means, what's this? I mean, literally, that's what it means. Like, what's this? We're in the wilderness, and we got to make it somehow to the promised land, and what's this? I mean, seriously? This is what we're supposed to be living off of? And how long did they have to do it? Forty years. They thought a day was okay, a week was kind of all right, a month was pushing it. Forty years? Now, it's all back to Jewish numerology. Numbers are everything for the Hebrew people. Four is the number of the four cardinal directions. It means the world. It means like everything, right? Times 10, 40, means and so much more. Basically, it means forever. Or in this context, it means the people who wrestled with God 
were found that they had to survive off of something that was not ordinary, not what they expected, something that they would not have chosen for themselves on the superficial level of looking at things, and they had to do it for their whole lives. This is a long-haul thing, folks. They wanted us to know the difference, that they were caught between those two things, and they needed, in order to become the people they needed to be, they needed to make the choice of the long haul. And it wasn't easy. They're letting us know that we are also going to have to be making that same choice. We are going to have to make this long-haul choice. It's nothing new. Its handprint is in you already. You recognize it. You resonate with it. But it isn't so easy to see. It isn't so eagerly rewarded by the world. It isn't broadcast. It isn't advertised to us. It isn't promoted. I mean, how many of the four to 10,000 advertising impressions that you see every day, do you think, are encouraging you to live life for the long haul? Or perhaps are they actually trying to get you to buy something that will make you happy right now, and they happen to know what that would be. Yeah, I mean, our influence is for the right now. Now, you may be listening to this long-haul stuff and be thinking, this sounds miserable. I mean, really? This is your advice to us? Is that, I mean, it just sounds tiring. It's plotting. It goes on forever and ever. There's no joy or end in sight. I mean, you might hear this as, Okay, the secret to life or what we're supposed to be doing is we're supposed to be just like sticking it out. You know, we're supposed to um, uh, have our lives be full of obligation and responsibilities whether we like it or not. But that's not what it is. Long-haul living isn't gutting it out. Okay, if that's the equivalent you're making, you're missing it. You're missing it. It isn't gutting it out. It's not putting up with or tolerating. Yeah, it does require stamina. Yeah, it does require determination. But that's because... It's because it's committing to something. It's committing to a path of possibilities. Right? Not just a known that's going to wear out today, but a possibility in the future. It's a reach. It's a risk without guarantees. It is not resignation. It's not giving up on what you would like. It's looking for something that you want, would maybe like better or deeper. It's about making it to the end and... Discovering that where you end up is where you actually want to be. Another good thing to know about this is that the long haul doesn't immunize you from life's problems. If I do the right thing, right? If I go to all the trouble to, you know, weave my life together with the universe and I'm in sync with all things, and shouldn't that sort of like magically, you know, uh, make all my problems go away? Or at least, you know, like, hey, don't I at least get that as a benefit for my martyrdom? Like, isn't God going to kind of just make sure I don't have any troubles? Yeah, no, I don't think so. In fact, I probably shouldn't tell you this, but you already know this as well. Living according to long haul, investing in the world the way it really is and opening your heart to that probably is going to invite more problems to you. Why? Because you're sensitive. You're open to what's actually going on in the world. And actually, because you're choosing a countercultural against the grain of the rest of society path a lot of the times, you're inviting tension. You're inviting conflict. You're inviting uh, criticism by other people who don't want to be woken up to the way life really is. Sometimes it, makes, it means you're going to be picking a harder path. You know, but while it won't immunize you from all of life's problems, and in fact, sometimes attract them to you, it, it will do this. It will build your capacity to experience those problems and still remain your true self. There's no path through life without problems. I wish there were, but there isn't. 
There is a path to life that allows you to be more your true self as you deal with those. And I think as you do that, uh, you know, the difference is amazing. And it happens because you're tying yourself into things that life is really about. You're forming relationships of significance, not just relationships with complications and conditions. You are holding on to things that aren't going to disappear when the tide turns. You're getting practice when it's easy on things, so you have the skills you need when it's not, like we talk about so often. And, yeah, this is that life that is woven deeply. It's woven deeply. So th that, that's an important thing to know. It doesn't immunize you from your problems, but it does give you this capacity to experience them and remain your true self. We're actually going to dive into that a little deeper next week, but here, here's another thing to know. It is, you can opt out of long-haul living if you want to. All right? That's a choice we all have. If you're a, a teen, all I can tell you is you can get through school, you can get through college, you can get a job, you can even get a really good job and never have to really deal with who you really are and what your life is all about. In fact, that kind of thinking might actually get in your way of being really successful in the world. All right? You can opt out of that. For adults, you know, what can I say? Yeah, you can raise your kids. You can get them out of the house and they can get jobs and take care of themselves. Or if you're in a committed relationship, I mean, you can go the distance in that relationship and you can stay married or partnered your entire life and hold it together. Or you can get a career and you can keep it and you can find your way to retirement and you can be well thought of and well liked and you can have all the things that the Joneses have and not really worry about what your life is all about and who you really are. You can do that. People are doing it all the time. Parts of our lives are doing it all the time. But, but here's the deal. You don't have to shoot for the long haul, but, and I think this is a really big but, there are no do-overs in life. We have to realize that. There are no do-overs in life. The tragedy isn't that you didn't get on that soccer team or into that college. The, the tragedy isn't that didn't get that promotion or never moved into the bigger house, so you never really were able to take that vacation that you're always hoping you could. No, the real tragedy is that you will get at some point in your life and realize that this isn't what you wanted all along. You never stopped to figure out what you truly valued, and it slipped through your fingers, and there is no going back. There are no do-overs in life. There are second chances, though. Okay? There are second chances. It's never too late to start again and build life according to what you are learning. But, and you know that, that's a lot of work, isn't it? I mean, it's a lot of work to rebuild trust where it's been broken. It's, it's a lot of work to reclaim integrity in places where you have trampled it for years and years and years. It's really hard to learn new grooves when you've been stuck in old ruts for eons. And some things... Some damage that's in our past just cannot be undone. I mean, it's a good time now to decide, I want my life to be about the long haul, right? Not the right, not the right now. So, long haul. I described what it is, maybe what it isn't a little bit. But how do you do it? How do you do it? So, I, I want to talk about uh, a couple of things over these next few weeks about life that is lived for the long haul. So, what comes first? What comes first? There's probably a lot of versions of this. There's probably a, a lot of people who have things to say. We're going to be talking about this for four weeks. You could probably talk about it for ten weeks. But I want to suggest this. 
If you want to live for the long haul, it isn't going to happen because you're going to decide how you're going to change the world. It isn't going to happen because you have it really clearly in mind where you're going to be someday, all right? What, what that's going to be like when you've got it all together, when you get to the promised land. It isn't going to happen because you answer all the questions of what your life is all about, or it isn't even because that first step isn't, because, isn't going to happen because you have figured out all of your values and what matters most in your life. Those are all really good things. I hope you do them all. I hope you do change the world, impact the world. I hope you do figure out where you really want to be someday. I hope you do find a way to determine what's really important to you, what your core values are. Those are great questions, but they aren't the first task of the long haul. We have this great need, you see, as people to always look out the window and see what's out there that needs to be changed so that I can have that kind of life. And there is a piece of glass we need to look through. Actually, I should say there's a piece of glass we need to look into. And it isn't the window, it's a mirror, right? Long-haul living starts by looking in the mirror, not out the window. It has to start with you. It has to start inside you. Think about it. If you want to be the world different, what is the only thing that you can actually change, actually change in order for the world to be different? There's only one thing that is fully in your circle of influence. It's you. Gandhi said, be the change that you want the world to experience. It needs to begin with you. So each week we're focusing on a quality and a practice and then a personal commitment that goes along with those. Because I hope all of us are, you know, during this period of time, we'll be doubling down on our commitment to live for the long haul. This isn't new news for any of us. I think it's something that we all struggle for. It's one of the reasons why we're here in the first place is that we're looking for that kind of life. So I, I hope during this time we'll find ways of doubling down on that. And this first quality then today, you know, that happens from looking in the mirror is this. It's self-leadership. Self-leadership. Well, I want to lead the world. Yeah, go, great. Lead the world, but lead yourself first. Lead yourself first. If you want to change the world, if you want to lead in your business, those people that are, you're responsible to, if you want to be the kind of friend others deeply want to have, you need to be respected. That's really often the only currency you have to influence other people, is the respect that you garnered from them. We follow, we stick with, we turn to, and we model after people that we respect. Now, here's a takeaway. It's on your Sunday papers. We obey someone who has authority over us, right? Someone who's in control, our bosses, supervisors, uh, positions in society. We obey the people with authority, but we follow people whom we respect. We follow people whom we respect. Parents, your kids may stay in touch with you their whole lives long, in order to not be cut out of your will, that won't be working at my house. <laughs> I can just hear my kids, oh great, how much of dad's debt do I get? <laughs> but you aren't going to keep a mutual and intimate relationship with your kids your whole life long because you're wealthy or they're important. You're going to have that relationship with them their whole life long because they respect you. They have this innate sense that you led your life well. Doesn't mean without mistakes, but you led your life well. And that sense of someone having led their life well, I think is what this long haul principle is all about. 
someone whose life is woven deeply in the fabric of existence, not the fabric of competition or comparison or consumption, but the, the long haul. So who are these people? When I talk about these people whom you innately respect and want to follow, I'd be willing to bet that every one of you had faces that popped up in your mind. People that you imagined. Our, our minds, our inner selves work that way because they hold such an important place in our lives that our inner selves are just eager to have them pop up and to be part of our consciousness, part of our modeling, part of what draws us forward. So we all have those people in mind. Uh, think about them. I, I think that's a great person. We know them as people who have that integrity of a person who has led her or himself well. Nelson Mandela is not a, probably a personal acquaintance with any of us. He doesn't play that with us individually, but to the world, I think he has been that kind of person. I mean, he has a person who chose a path that was not determined on the right now, but that was all about the long haul in such a powerful way for himself that he was able to endure 27 years imprisonment and not lose his sense of self, not lose his direction and his principles. He didn't even lose his influence over the outside world, even though he was behind bars for 27 years. That is amazing. That's long-haul living. So self-leadership, I think, asks this very basic question. I, I like to put it this personally, all right? Am I the person that I want to go through my life with? Ooh. Are you the person that you want to go through your life with? I mean, you probably say, well, of course. I mean, like, do I have any choice? I, I'm, well, no, you don't, but you have a choice over who that person is, though, don't you? And are you the person that you want to go through your life with? Are you leading yourself well? So the first practice that goes along with this quality of self-leadership is this, self-honesty. Self-honesty. This is the beginning of long-haul living, self-honesty. Can you be honest with who you are? The right now says, don't worry about that. Just pretend, have a facade, create a persona, cover up the inside because the inside is always kind of perfect, imperfect, it's kind of messy, and it's very peculiar to just who you are. And, you know, other people aren't necessarily going to appreciate that. You know, you're going to be ridiculed for it. You're going to be singled out for it. You're going to have to defend it. So just, just hide that stuff. And mistakes, hide them too. Because, I mean, they're just showing how imperfect you are. So hide them, uh, make excuses for them, maybe even cast fault on other people so that you aren't going to be held responsible for them. You can hide the truth about yourself. And make no mistake, you're not just hiding the truth from other people. You're hiding it from yourself. You're hiding it from yourself. Because you, more than anyone else, don't want to know the uncomfortable truth about yourself. But here's what you need to know about the truth about yourself. Knowing the truth about yourself isn't bad news. It's just plain news. You've got news to learn about yourself. I have news about learning about myself. There is nobody in this room who doesn't have uncomfortable news to learn about themselves. You are not alone. We all carry that. It's information. It's information that you need to be the person that you want to go through your life with. It's information that you need to grow. Our original name, Jacob's Well, has its origin story in the book of uh, John in the fourth chapter. It's about this woman that Jesus meets at the well, and he changes her life forever, but not by performing some kind of miracle. He does it by telling her 
everything about herself and accepting her nonetheless. I mean, if there's a miracle, that's it. He could know everything about her and that didn't change his acceptance of her. So she learns the news about herself and here's her response. It's on your papers. The woman left her water jar. She must have been in a hurry. I mean, you don't, you don't go to the well and fill up your water jar and then leave it, right? She, she left her water jar and went back to the city and she said to all the people, by the way, people who did not think very highly of her because they knew more about her than uh, they wanted to know too. And she said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. This guy is trouble. We should get rid of him. No. She says, come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could he be the Messiah? Could he be the one we're waiting for? Could he be the man of promise, the one of promise, the one who could make us whole again? How is this not bad news that he tells us everything about ourselves? I mean, if someone told me everything about myself, there'd be some good stuff there. Uh, There'd be a lot of just stuff, and then there'd be all this other stuff that I don't want you to know. I mean, I've been kind of busy hiding it. I keep it in the shadows. It's kind of embarrassing, shameful, all kinds of stuff like that. How could knowing all of that not be bad news except that it was given to me as simple truth? It was given to me not as a wall, not as a barrier that said you could never get over that. Look who you are. You could never get over that. And you could never, be, um, you could never amount to anything. But instead it is given to me as a gateway, as a gateway to being the person that I could imagine myself being, that I feel called to be, that I know is really inside of me, and I can realize that person within me. So each week there's a quality and there's a practice, self-leadership and the self-honesty that self-leadership requires, and then there is a personal commitment that I'm offering to all of you to take. I will not mince words. These are not easy. It takes some courage to take these on. And this first personal commitment is this. I will not lie to myself. I will not lie to myself. So that sounds pretty basic. Yeah, try it. There is nobody who can deceive you about the truth better than you. You know all the tricks. You know all the buttons that can't get pushed, that need to be avoided, that need to be run away from, that need to be hidden away, and you do it. You are the expert on you, and I am the expert on me. But if you want to be in life for the long haul, the first thing is self-leadership, and that starts with self-honesty, and that starts with this personal commitment that I will not lie to myself. I'll let that be known. I'll hold on to it, okay? Remember, the truth about yourself isn't bad news, it's just news. News you need for what's next, to be worthy of respect, to have the influence, you know, to, to keep yourself off the carousel of the, of the right now and on the upward path of the long haul. So your ability to build a life that lasts depends on your ability to commit to the truth about yourself. Now, as you take that on, and I, since I've been working on the material for this series for the last month or so, I've been daring to mess with this not lying to myself a little bit. And I'll tell you, it's neither easy nor, nor comfortable, but it feels like the right thing, right? But as we do it, we find that uh, we start 
figuring out some of the stuff that we need to know. And here's a couple of things to know. As you start understanding these things, as you start seeing these truths about yourself, the first thing you know is you don't have to fix them all. Just note them. Just be aware of them. Just let them be present with you to realize them, own them. In fact, I would say it is amazing how much, how different things can be when you actually are willing to admit the truth about yourself, even without having to try to change them. It's, it's, um, if you've uh, found that you maybe have a tendency to uh, be a little bit bossy, you may find that that instantly changes a lot when you realize that you have this tendency to turn to authority whenever you feel challenged or when you feel insecure. Or you may find that just accepting the fact that you tend to isolate yourself when you are under stress and under pressure, when you're worried, and you'll find that just acknowledging that means that maybe you will respond to that person who reaches out or you'll find places where you can be around people when you know that you're in those sorts of situations. You don't need to try to fix everything right away. You can just live with it and be with it. So um, in contrast to that woman at the well that Jesus, you know, told everything about and she was so excited to know the truth about herself, we have another story that's actually surprisingly similar in, in the Gospels. And this is one you're probably also familiar with, and that Jesus is in a, in a village. He's in the marketplace in the center of town. And all of a sudden there's this crowd, and they bring this woman into his presence, a woman that they call sleeping with someone whom she wasn't supposed to. And they're trying to both, you know, take care of her and get rid of Jesus at the same time. And so they say, Jesus, you know, you've got to settle this for us. The law says that we're supposed to stone her. What do you say? Now, you may know that, um, you know, his response is, well, whoever, has, whoever is without sin, go cast the first stone. Clever. And, you know, one by one, as they, the story tells us, starting with the eldest, they drop their stones and walk away. What you may not remember from the story is that while the crowd is fuming and waiting for Jesus to respond, he's squatting on the ground and drawing in the sand with his finger. What you probably don't know at all is that there is an ancient, ancient tradition that goes along with this story. It's not in the Bible, but I absolutely love it because of how it sparks our imagination and fits with the, the heart of the story. But there's this, there's this tradition that when Jesus was squatting on the ground, drawing in the sand while everyone is fussing and fuming and waiting for him, he isn't just scribbling in the sand. What he's actually doing is writing the sins of all the people that are standing there holding, his, holding their stones. Ooh. <laughs> He was telling them the truth about themselves, and it hurt. It changed everything. Maybe it didn't change them forever, but it called at least a little bit of a better person out of each and every one of those people, didn't it? They learned a little bit of truth about themselves. Jesus had another thing to say that I think has been misused and kind of as a hammer all too often, but speaks to the same thing when he said, the truth will make you free. So be free. Take a breath. It takes some pause. It takes some interruption of the right now. It takes some stillness in order to move out of the pace of what you're supposed to be and honor who you just actually are right now. Your mind, your life, your history with all of its bad habits, its ruts, its baggage, all of those things are 
pieces of the wonderful creation that you are right now. Get to know that person. There is nothing about who you are right now that could be more or less deserving of love, of acceptance, that could be more potent with hope and with possibilities for the future than that person that you are right now. So embrace that person. Know the truth. Thanks for listening, and thanks for living for the long haul. Join us again next week as our podcast rejoins Stuff That Works. This is Fabric Minneapolis.